It's over 9,000! Welcome, Super Elite Warriors, to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time. And I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host. This is the Bikini. And, you know, Bikini, before we get too deep into this episode, I should just point out that it really works out nicely for us. Not, Not that... Our episodes ever are scripted. These little bumpers that we do, these little bumpers that we do before we get into our main topic of the day, are always just our life. Uh, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's we're never we're never scripted. There's not some pre-existing story that's been written down by someone who may or may not be credited in the the outro segments of our shows. There's there's no pre-planned story and it just works out nicely for us that every time we have kind of a special episode that falls a bit out of line with our normal point of discussion which is kind of going through the anime and going through the manga that we we don't have a whole lot going on uh wait hold on what's my next line Ooh. Ah, i'm just kidding (laughs) I said it's not scripted. Jeez. <laughs> I'm trying uh, I'm trying to, to help you out here. We're just we're sitting, we're hanging out on the Frieza planet that we just arrived at. Uh, and this week we're going to ultimately delve into the new movie, Dragon Ball Super Superhero, that has been coming for a while now. It got delayed. We'll maybe talk a little bit about that. It finally came out. We both got a chance to see it. We uh, broadcasted it to our ship here. And, it's amazing uh, what you can do with technology these days. Streaming services are really uh, doing a fine job. <laughs> and we uh, we got to see it. We'll give you our thoughts. But before we do that, because this is a little bit outside our norm, and because this episode you know, peek at how the sausage is made type of thing is recorded a little bit more timely. We are going to delve into just a little bit of news and talk about some, do a little news roundup. We don't usually do that, uh, but there's been some some interesting developments. The first, 
that we wanted to just briefly touch on is we posted it to our social media already, but uh, Swatch has entered into a promotion, cross promotion, whatever, with Dragon Ball license and has what is it? How many is it? Like seven or eight different watches? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. There's there's Goku, Vegeta, Roshi, Gohan, Majin Buu, Cell, and Frieza, and I don't think I'm forgetting any. It's a crime that there's no Piccolo. It's it's an outrage that there's no Krillin. <laughs> uh, but in my opinion, they make up for it with Master Roshi. You can you could break any watch and call it a, a Yamcha watch. Hey, <laughs> a Yamcha watch would be useless because it wouldn't work because the battery would be dead. <laughs> uh, but I thought the Goku one is neat. Uh, it's just it's basically just the kanji. Uh, that Goku wears, and the colors of Goku. I think that one's neat. Uh, the Roshi one is probably the best one. The hands are little blood splurts for Roshi getting a bloody nose. Um, that's super funny. <laughs> it was pretty clever, I thought. Uh, the, the Frieza one is neat. That one is basically... It's, oh, it's almost exactly what you would think of if you said design like a Frieza watch. It's just, you know purple and white but it very much just has like a feel of frieza to it same with the cell the cell just kind of has the patterning of cell majin boo is like pink with just the majin symbol on the face of the watch there's nothing to write home about on that one really the gohan one is purple and then has like the kamehameha blasting out of it it looks okay i, I think it's supposed to be like the the end of the cell fight super saiyan 2 gohan because there's also like a little bits of like electricity flying all over the place yeah and then the huge miss though is in my opinion the vegeta watch i get what they were going for but i think it's a miss so if you look at it it's it's the band is like vegeta's colors right it's the blue and the white and it has that appearance of saiyan armor uh but then the face is red and inside that red, there's a silhouette of Goku. And I get what they were going for is that it's supposed to be like a scouter. But you put a silhouette of Goku on your Vegeta watch. I see nothing wrong here. <laughs> I just think it's a miss, you know. So all those all it's like all those Vegeta fans cried out in anguish and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> Oh wait, now I'm now I'm mixing up my sci-fi franchises. Never mind. It's it's like the it's the 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 balance to the uh post-credit sequence of superhero, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um minor spoiler, I guess. Uh, but then uh I would I would actually probably get maybe one of these watches cuz they're not horribly expensive, but I wear a Fitbit all the time, so I don't really need, like, I don't need another watch, you know? I feel like these are more, like, collector items anyways. Yeah, but I'm like one of those they, idiots. I eat, When I get one of these neat kind of collector's items, I wear it anyways. <laughs> like, well, do you I'm, remember yeah, when I mean, they, I'm not saying, like, anybody, nobody should wear these things in public. No, by all means, do whatever you want. I, I don't really have an opinion that way. But it seems to me like these were more intended to just have, like on a shelf or displayed or something. Oh, possible. for sure. Like you're going to walk into, uh, I think I mentioned to you like offline one time that I went to 
uh, Super Saiyan, the the ramen uh, noodle <laughs> yeah, bar yeah. in the Orlando area. Like, you're going to walk into there, and they're going to have all these watches, like, in one of their display cases. But I'm one of those people. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember when they came out with sneakers a couple years back? I do. I got myself a pair of Vegetas, and I wore them until they fell apart. Nice. <laughs> because that's what I do. I I wear stuff when I like it. So uh, I thought they were awesome, and I wore them. <laughs> um, so So would you say that you're a super fan? Oh, I would not, though. <laughs> uh, along that lines, there's actually, uh, for those of you who live in the Houston, Texas area, up in a suburb of Houston in a city called Conroe, which is about, if I had to peg it, I'd say 90 minutes north of downtown Houston, so not super close to downtown Houston. If you're like visiting Houston, you don't want to go here. But in Conroe, Texas, there is another Dragon Ball themed noodle bar called Dragon Bowl C. <laughs> oh, so, that's so terrible. It's great. The obviously Dragon Bowl for Dragon Ball and because they make bowls of noodles. And then the C is for because they're in Conroe. Uh, so, well done, well done. Spinning along to some more news, we have the the manga that has been running just recently finished their second full arc since the end of the Tournament of Power, Universal Survival Tournament, whatever you happen to call that one, uh, which is where the anime left off. Uh, they've done since then, uh, this is Toyotaru who writes the, the manga now. They have come out with a, uh, this is their second, second arc. Like I mentioned, it's the first one was Moro. He was, I, I don't follow it super closely because I kind of assume eventually one day we will get there, you know? So I just see the things that I very briefly kind of see on social media, Moro is like some kind of a planet destroyer who something something and then he wishes to be young again and something 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 something. <laughs> okay. You sound like you, the uh you sound like the joke on family guy that they made about Star Wars and the uh the emperor there. He something, he looks like something. a he looks like a big old evil goat. Is what Moro looks like. And I think the arc is more about you know, Goku learning some mastery over his his Ultra Instinct form, which he doesn't have at the end of the Tournament of Power, and Vegeta sort of continuing to try and catch up in that respect. And then since then, they have now done another arc, which I believe they call the Granola arc, or they call it the Heaters arc. There's different... There's like two different antagonists. There's Granola and another antagonist named Gas. That one just ended, and it ended with kind of a big thing. Uh, Frieza has a new form, and he is now stronger than ever. So who would win in a fight, Black Frieza or Superman? These are the important questions that everyone wants to ask. I don't care. 
dovetailing into that though is the announcement that was sort of broken by uh, the Twitter handle at DBS Chronicles, who I don't recall specifically, but I think this Twitter handle broke the news of like Dragon Ball Super returning, uh, like when it when it first started, or he broke the news that the Broly movie was happening. He's like got a history of having some inside information. Weekly Dragon Ball episodes are set to return, picking up at the end of the Universal Survival arc. They're in pre-production or production, and the anime is slated to return to television sometime in 2023. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that sounds sounds good. I don't know what we are going to do. Maybe when that happens, what we might do is something like... Um, since we usually do two episodes a month, one of them will be continuing on with what we've been continuing on with, and the okay. other one will be the previous four episodes of the anime or something. In any event, look for Dragon Ball to return to probably not TV in America. It'll probably instead be on like various yo ho ho kind of sites with fan <laughs> with with fan created subtitles until it finally winds up being on toonami they still do toonami uh, right uh i think so uh there's also a decent chance it might end up on crunchyroll because they've already moved all oh, of the yeah. original dragon ball and dragon ball c stuff to there so there's a decent chance uh that they will continue uh streaming super on the crunchyroll I forgot that Crunchyroll like subsumed every single other legitimate streamer of anime. Everything has been subsumed by Sony, I think, in this ultimately because right doesn't doesn't Sony own Crunchyroll? We're we're just we're spiraling closer and closer to a world where like everything is owned and all entertainment is made by Sony, Universal, and Disney. Uh, I would have at one point added Warner Brothers to that list, but the uh, the Warner HBO Discovery merger seems pretty intent on imploding that company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did some quick sleuthing, and yes, you're correct. It is Sony that currently owns Crunchyroll. Did you see that they lost like five billion dollars over a weekend? No, I have not heard anything about this. Please do tell. Okay, so Warner Brothers, is it Warner Brothers merged with Discovery, I think, is is what happened. And they own HBO, and they own HBO Max. The new CEO was like, all right, hear about this this Batwoman movie, or Batgirl, Batgirl, Batgirl movie that we spent $90 million on so far? No, put that one on the shelf. We're going to call it a tax write-off. It's never coming out. Uh, This... This, like, some other movie that they had spent a bunch of money... No, I'll put that one on the shelf. That's never coming out. We're going to do it as a tax write-off. They have deleted several of their shows from from their, from HBO Max. And, and that comes from... They bought up a bunch of... Car- so, Cartoon Network sold off a bunch of their original programming that was like not adult swim stuff to HBO. 
HBO then put it all on HBO Max and Cartoon Network, like by contract or whatever, had to take it down, right? Because they sold these, these projects. Yeah. HBO has deleted them from like you cannot watch them on HBO Max anymore. These these show and with no physical release having ever happened on some of them, these shows effectively do not exist anymore. The the biggest one in terms of what I just what I remember in terms of like people all these people who worked on these shows and created these things are like gutted. The Batgirl thing was probably the biggest one just because it's a big dollar amount and you know, here's HBO slash Warner, whatever, shelving a movie they've spent $90 million on with a person of color who's also a woman as the lead while they push forward with releasing their Flash movie starring Ezra Miller, who is a horrible nightmare person. Okay, who has so this is... This is probably why I didn't notice any of this stuff happening because I was laser focused on this Ezra Miller stuff because it was so just absolutely wild and and beyond anything I have ever experienced before. Yes, Ezra Miller has terrorized like the entire state of Hawaii for like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is pushing forward. Meanwhile, they're like shelving all these other things with less problematic people. The biggest one in terms of I remember the person tweeting something and I felt just absolutely horrible was the creator of the show Tig and Seek, which is an animated series that was on Cartoon Network. Uh, It was developed by a guy who served as a designer, like a character designer on Rick and Morty. It it featured the voice of Louis Anderson. Um, I don't know a ton about like what, age group the show was targeted towards but the creator of that show when hbo like deleted it from their servers and you can't watch it anymore was just like tweeted out like it's gone it's all gone wow so you just feel terrible for these people because like and then there's there's stuff that was supposed to come out on hbo max that is just not gonna come out now and like all these people are like i had like my family was going to come over and we were all going to watch this thing that I worked on together. So when you say like, when you say deleted off their, their streaming service, you mean like straight up, like deleted, deleted, like, like all saved copies they have destroyed. I don't know for sure. In 2022, that's such a hard thing to know for sure. Right. Cause it, it could be, yeah. it could be physically stored somewhere. It could also have never been physically stored anywhere. That kind of dovetails into a little bit of what happened with Dragon Ball Super Superhero, where someone hacked uh, Toei's servers, and it wound up pushing the release of of the movie back from April to June. And the 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 like, I never really heard exactly what happened, but the hot rumor was like that they deleted whatever the working copy of the movie was. Oof. But. Again, Toei had some sort of redundancy to where they didn't lose right. everything. They just lost like their last week's worth of work or something, yeah, right? They probably it was probably a, a backup or something that they had. Right. I don't know if these shows do still exist. They might this might be one of those things where if it's on a 
a Plex server or someone is sharing it on a torrent site, that person might be the only person who currently has a quote-unquote hard copy of this show and some of these shows. I really don't know. So I I have a little bit of familiarity with how this stuff happens because uh, I've looked into this. um, Cartoon Network has done this in the past. Uh, I don't know if any of our listeners or you would be familiar, but there was a show called Megas XLR. Uh, it was about two guys from Jersey City who found, like, basically a Gundam that was sent from the future into the past. And then they fixed it up and replaced the head with, like, a Corvette or something like that. Um, but it was very, very tongue-in-cheek, very much a celebration of all things, like, Mecca, but at the same time putting, like, an American spin on it. And it only went, I want to say, two seasons... Uh, and then it was canceled. Cartoon Network wrote the show off as a loss. And I guess the way that the tax laws work for media is once you take a show or a movie and you write it off as a tax loss, you are then legally prohibited from releasing it in any format un- until you get like that whole tax situ- situation figured out. So you'd have so to pay if, off some back taxes. Exactly. So if they are... Uh, taking shows off of their streaming service and they're claiming that it's for tax reasons, then yeah, basically that means that they're not allowed to make a profit on that show. Going in into some further news, uh, we have The Breakers is slated for release in October. I don't think there's really anything super new about that. It's in beta right now, right? Yeah, the reaction to it has been lukewarm. I've been told there are balancing issues, but again, it's in like a beta state right now so they're still working on it so that's not the final say yeah i'm curious about it right if if games weren't so expensive these days i i would check this game out for like 20 bucks for sure because i like the concept i like the idea of game in this franchise that's outside of the norm for those who don't know what the breakers is is it's an asymmetrical online action game where you are an everyday human or a very depowered sort of Dragon Ball character like a, a Bulma or an Oolong. Um, and I know Oolong can transform, but still, you don't have a lot of fighting power. And you have to survive an encounter with Cell or Frieza or Boo who hunts you and you have to try and survive and, and escape from them. Think of it sort of as like a digital hide and seek, if you will. There's been there's been games like this before and you know, there's been like I feel like there's been some zombie games like this where uh, there's also um, Dead by Daylight, I think is something similar. Yeah, where you have to like try and survive. And and one person gets to play as like horror movie monsters or legally distinct versions of (laughs) (laughs) you'll be happy to know this game it looks like the pre-order is set at about twenty dollars so that would probably be the price well then i might get it so maybe we will check that out yeah but so the the main our main topic of discussion like i mentioned earlier is dragon ball super superhero came to u.s theaters we're able to stream it on our ship here. <laughs> HBO didn't take it down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the movie 
yeah, has been kind of coming. You know, it was originally set for release in, in April. It didn't come out until June due to the cyber attack against Toei. It's, uh, it's directed by, I believe, a first-time director, Tetsuro Kodama. Uh, I Like, this guy doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so, you know... What we're going to do today, and since we've already spent some time doing some news recap and such, is we're just going to more talk a little bit. We're going to recap the movie. Uh, spoiler alert at this point, I'll say. Uh, we are going to get into spoilers. I'll try and make sure that we do a bigger spoiler alert like as we get further narrowed into the the topic itself and our reactions to it and things. And I'll try and keep like when I do a plot summary, it be less spoilery, but I'm not going to, we're not going to like have like spoiler alerts and skip to this time code to avoid spoilers kind of stuff. This is just be aware. We've both seen the movie at this point. So (laughs) the screenplay was by Toriyama. That's pretty neat because he, so he, these days is just sort of an advisor on the manga. He has kind of even said it's more that it's it's Toyotaru's thing now. So he just kind of gives some broad scope ideas and doesn't isn't super hands-on with the manga anymore. So he wrote this story. It did okay in Japan. I believe it actually opened up lower than any of the recent movies, though. Uh, the recent movies being Battle of Gods, Resurrection F, and Broly. I do, I do have a, uh, I don't know how accurate it is, but I have a box office mojo pulled up for the domestic and international release. They're actually not too far apart. From what I'm seeing here, the domestic uh, looked to be about almost $31 million, and the current international is at about $38 million for a total of about 70 Six. roughly. Yeah. But it didn't, I think, I think for its domestic release for its Japanese release that's a little bit lower compared to the to the last movie you're saying. Yeah, compared to the last. I think where it has done exceedingly well is in the United States specifically. It has it was the um the highest opening for an anime movie of all time, I believe, which beat a 23 23- three-year-old record held by like Pokemon the movie or something and I know there's like a lot of caveats to that right like it doesn't adjust for inflation so the Pokemon movie sold more tickets and things and that's okay I I get that and I, I appreciate that and I understand that especially as someone who really likes old movies and old Godzilla movies and stuff like I understand that King Kong versus Godzilla is still the highest selling the, the highest grossing adjusted for inflation Godzilla movie of all time from 1962. So I get that, but that's a record that stood for 23 years, which means pick an anime movie that's been released over the last two decades or even the last three to five years, including the Broly movie, this did better. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is actually pretty good. Because the Broly movie was considered a pretty big success here. And I I think the release strategy was different. I think this was released in more theaters in the United States than than the Broly movie was. And for more showtimes. So you've got some of that that kind of goes along with it too. It's probably got a less, a lower per theater take. 
than the Broly movie did, would sure. be my guess. But it's still pretty impressive that it got rolled out fairly wide across the U.S. and did quite well. For one of these movies we've we've talked about, they don't break anyone's bank to make. And to make $70 million, I'm quite sure it was a financial success. Sounds like success to me. And uh, honestly, uh, given the, the last two movies that have come out, uh, I enjoyed those. I thought those were pretty good. This one is kind of continued the trend. So I am glad to hear that they are planning on doing this like every two years. Yeah. That's... And if the writing in this movie is any indication, I'm just expecting it to get better over time. Yeah, that's Toei. That's the other thing to to note about the performance of the movie is Toei is very happy. They they have announced that they plan on doing this every two to three years now with a new movie because this one did so well. It, it's just kind of important to note. It's not because the Broly movie did so well, and I think the difference is that movie when it came to the U.S. was I don't know if it was a Fathom event, but it was one of those sort of limited event type of things yeah. and. I know, like, theaters near me only did, like, two showings in total. Uh, this was much more wide than that. I mean, my this, local this theater... This was more like a, a regular release, honestly. Yeah. My local theater was playing it for, like, a full... My local theater is still playing it. As is mine. In fact. Uh, they are dubbed screenings. That's the other thing. Um, I don't know about you. I saw this dubbed. I kind of had no choice same didn't have a choice i could i guess i could have seen it subtitled at 2 30 on a work day <laughs> you know yeah. lord lord freeze's got us working eight to five so can't be taking breaks <laughs> not when we're scouring the universe for the world's most powerful fighters <laughs> But so to, to let's let's delve into the movie a little bit, and then we'll we'll do I'll do a quick plot synopsis. If I miss anything, you can feel free to. Oh, and and just me. really quick for those of you who have been listening, uh, no, we we did not make a mistake when we said our local theater was still showing it because we in fact are streaming it to the theater on our ship, and it's just playing on a constant loop because we like the movie so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, this is completely internally consistent in every way. Exactly. There's no, don't, don't go looking for any hidden meetings. But so the, the movie starts off with a, a, a recap for people who maybe haven't watched the show in a while, the movies in a while, or haven't ever watched them. It's trying to give you a quick little recap. It says like, oh, there's this little kid named Goku and he fought the Red Ribbon Army and he totally kicked their butts and then the evil Dr. Jiro turned himself into an android and Goku just kicked their butts too and yeah it's oversimplifying stuff obviously right but you know then it builds to until they fought Cell and then they beat Cell also anyways <laughs> and <laughs> racking uh, up W after W I don't know why the Red Ribbon Army keeps trying and now here we are in the present the Red Ribbon Army has is is no longer the Red Ribbon Army, kind of, sort of. It's now a company, like, there's a front company that's called Red Pharmaceuticals, and Magenta is their CEO, and he's the 
the son of Commander Red. So he's been trying to sort of secretly rebuild the Red Ribbon Army under this pharmaceuticals company. He learns of Dr. Giroux's surviving grandson named Dr. Hedo, who is this mad scientist. He's superhero obsessed. He's about to be released from jail. And Magenta's like, this is the the grandson of the mind who created Cell. We think of all he could do for the Red Ribbon Army because Cell was, was, you know, this great creature, this great creation. So he goes to see Dr. Hedo, who is uh, getting out on parole after serving a, a grave robbing sentence because he, what did they say in the movie? He got bored at his like desk job or something and, and made a bunch of zombies to do his job for him. <laughs> Um, I, I think what it, if I remember correctly, it was that he was he uh, was working on his own because he's hard to work with for his first major experiment. He used, I believe it was dead bodies to create new types of androids to do menial labor, which sounds horrific when you think about it. But also, that's a great way to, like, automate jobs. But, you know, that's beside the point. Anyways, so yeah, he he essentially had like three zombies that were working like in a convenience store, and it freaked oh, yeah. everybody out, and he got uh, arrested for it or something. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a convenience store. That's right. So Magenta's like, "Come work for us," and Hedo's like, "I don't know. Like, I like superheroes, and everything I've ever heard about this Red Ribbon Army is that you guys are bad." Magenta plays it as, "No, we're not. We're not bad. We're just trying to." protect the earth to make it safe from these people and then they show him goku and gohan and piccolo and vegeta and like these guys are aliens we don't know what they're doing but we know they're powerful and we're pretty sure they're going to try and take over the earth someday in fact they hang out with piccolo who you remember king piccolo everyone remembers king piccolo he tried to destroy the earth you know they're fighting against this other this other white and purple guy and they're fighting against this other pink dude and like it's you know frieza and and majin yeah. buu and you know magenta ends up painting goku and vegeta and gohan as these nefarious aliens who just will one day take over the earth. And uh, in, so in legal circles, we call this the Lex Luthor defense. <laughs> and so, and so Dr. Hedo accepts the offer to work with the red ribbon army. He goes off and he creates some prototypes basically. And they are gamma one and, and gamma two. I think in a, in an old episode, I called them alpha and beta they are Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. Then, meanwhile, a few things are happening with our cast of main characters. Piccolo is training Pan on a daily basis. He's kind of harsh on her. You know, she's like, train me to go Super Saiyan, train me to use energy blasts. And he's like, no, not until you learn how to fly. And she's like, but it's hard. And he's like, well, learn how to fly or too bad. He's not as rough as he is with... <laughs> As he is with Gohan, where he's like, either learn to fly or die, but like, <laughs> he's softened over the years. But he's still pretty tough, and you know, he's also very generally angry at Gohan for just constantly like studying and not ever training. Goku and Vegeta, meanwhile, are on Beerus' planet training with Broly, who's being taught some control since he, you know, melted the polar ice caps last time. <laughs> 
No big uh, deal. They are given a task, v- Vegeta and Goku, to teach Broly kind of how to reserve his power and how to have a fight where you never lose control by having a battle against each other where they are not allowed to use any energy blasts or any transformations. They're having a sparring match against each other, and they they start fighting. Meanwhile, Beerus is um, quite taken with Chi-Lai. That was a a pretty funny moment. That was was an interesting moment. Yep. I want to talk about a little bit more about that, because there's a line from that 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 made me think something when I saw the movie. But they're, they're all like doing their thing and eating ice cream and they throw some ice cream like containers and they happen to land on top of Weiss's staff so that he can't see if there's any incoming calls, which back on earth as Piccolo is meditating, Gamma two attacks him and Gamma two is like King Piccolo. Hello. How dare you? Let's fight, you know? And then uh, Gamma two thinks he has defeated Piccolo Piccolo is like, no one's called me King Piccolo in a long time. I better follow this guy and figure out what his deal is. He goes and infiltrates the Red Ribbon Army base. After he has infiltrated the base, he's like, holy crap, there's some bad stuff going on here. The Red Ribbon Army's back. They got these two new androids, Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. They seem pretty strong. They've talked about... Does he find out immediately that that there's a new cell? He finds out pretty quick. Yeah, he finds out. I'm pretty sure he finds out about Cell Max. He finds out about both the Gammas instead of just instead of just yeah. Gamma Two, um, and just that like Red Ribbon's involved and like everything yeah. is just going wrong here. Yeah, he learns he learns that there's a, a new Cell Cell Max that's being created, and he's like Cell. Oh my god! And especially if it's a new and improved Cell, I better go tell tell Bulma to get Vegeta's butt back here. And Bulma is like, I can't get a hold of Whis. And he's like, well, then I better go tell Gohan. And Gohan's like, Psh, I'm studying, dog. <laughs> <laughs> he cares not a whit. But no, he so he can't like he can't get Gohan to to like listen to him and take him seriously. So his plan. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I got it a little twisted. He learns that the Red Ribbon Army wants to send Gamma 1 or 2, I'm not sure which, after Gohan. Because he's like, oh, they think they've taken out Piccolo, so their next target is Gohan. He's like, I don't want them showing up at Gohan's house and like hurting his family. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dress up like one of them. I'm going to pretend to kidnap Pan. And then we're going to tell Gohan that we've kidnapped Pan and like bring him here. And then that way he'll come here and maybe he'll take it seriously if he thinks his daughter's in danger. Piccolo has a rather funny misadventure of tra- of kidnapping Pan. And, you know, she plays along because he's like, hey, it's just me. And she's like, yeah, no, I knew it was you right away. I could sense your energy. <laughs> he also, Piccolo, at some point in here, I'm not sure which, goes and sees Bulma. And he's like, listen, do you got the Dragon Balls? And she's like, yeah, I got the Dragon Balls. And he's like, can you... Let's wish on the dragon to like unleash what whatever potential power I used to have because I remember the the grand elder Namekian did that for Gohan at one point and that was never done for me so let's wish on that then the dragon's like oh here have a little power boost 
And then he gives the rest of the wishes to, to Bulma, who wishes for a tighter butt <laughs> and fewer <laughs> who's, wrinkles. Who's been consistently searching for the Dragon Balls for two reasons. One, to keep them out of the hands of anybody who doesn't deserve them. And two, to do all of her cosmetic surgery. Yes. she's Her wishes are like, can you make give me a tighter butt? Can you uh, get rid of my wrinkles and make my face look, look a little bit smoother, but don't make it look like I've had any work done? <laughs> Which, Which we kind of knew in the, we kind of knew in the Broly movie too, but this is where Piccolo is learning about it. But she says like she keeps taking five years off of her life, or is it two? I'm not sure what the number is, but yeah, she's like artificially extending her youth. Yeah, it's because it's it's the same exact number of years off of her life that Frieza wants to add to his height, and it's. <laughs> And it's for the same reason of if I do it too much, everyone will notice. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to just do it a little at a time. Um, But so Piccolo gets like a a little power boost. And then now the stage is set, right? Gohan's going to go to the Red Ribbon Army base, their secret hidden base to try and save his daughter. Piccolo has a power boost. He actually gets a new form. They have to fight the Gammas and hope that Cellmax does not get completed and not get released. Spoily alert, that happens, obviously. <laughs> um, but that's sort of the, the thrust of this story at this point is, is you know, trying to stop the Gammas and then trying to stop Cellmax. Some twists and turns and things like that along the way. And then the movie ends. I don't want to go too much deeper into plot because I think we can just kind of talk about some of the spoilers as we give our thoughts on the movie. So if you've made it this far and you haven't feel like you haven't had it spoiled for you, I would say this may be the point where you want to stop. But if not, keep venturing on. I'm curious, Bikini, to hear your thoughts. How did you feel walking out of this? I mean, I was I, I it was positive walking out. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this movie uh, compared to uh, Dragon Ball movies of the past, except for except for the last two that came out. The plot seemed a little bit more cohesive. There was a lot of really good character moments that had nothing to do with fighting, which was great. I think probably my my biggest disappointment started at the like the first five minutes of the movie when they're doing their uh flashback of like here's what's happened in dragon ball so far and they talk about like red ribbon and all that while they're doing that they have this really gorgeous crisp smooth traditional 2d animation going on to sort of like condense some of those scenes from the original anime and stuff together um and they've you know been given the the hd treatment if you will it looks fantastic uh, and then you get to the new 3D graphics, and while there's, they do a lot of things with the 3D graphics really well, particularly backgrounds, and uh, a lot of action sequences are really smooth and, and really enjoyable to look at. There are some things that kind of look like booty, and I know you've got a, probably a couple examples uh, to, to flesh that out. But my, my overall thing was is, is, is uh, that kind of was like a punch in the gut, like first thing on the movie of, oh, look what we could have done. And then look, <laughs> look what we actually did. It was that was probably my biggest gripe about it. But at the by the end of the movie, I was I was, I guess, used to the 3D graphics. And so I, 
I kind of gotten over it by the end of the movie, but like, yeah, every time there was a flashback and we got this really nice animation, I was just like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you're not too far off of what, what my thoughts were. I mean, I came out thinking very, very positive. I had a, I had a very fun time with it. And yeah, I, right at the very beginning, I was like, oh, this, this looks great. And then I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> The problem really becomes that I think some of the worst moments with the 3D animation are butted up right against those really gorgeous, crisp 2D animation moments. You know, you have that goes almost pretty quickly and directly into Piccolo and Pan training. And they have like a quick little battle that looks like okay, like they have like a little sparring match, and then they just sit down and relax and like drink some water. And like while they're sitting there drinking, I'm like, oh god, no, something is something is way wrong with these water bottles, with the way the water is sloshing around inside of them, with the way that they are just like when a character is just walking rather than fighting and performing some sort of faster animate. You're like, ooh, something is. Something's wrong with the walk cycle here. Something d- doesn't doesn't look look okay. And then like the next scene or one of the next scenes, I, I might be jumbling up the order a little bit, but some of the earliest scenes, there's like that. And then one of the other very early scenes is Doctor Hedo sitting in the the car with Magenta, and what was the Carmine? Carmine's a highlight Carmine. character that I didn't even Carmine's mention great. in my in my plot synopsis, but he's I a great Carmine. character. But they're sitting there in the car talking about Dr. Hedo joining the Red Ribbon Army. And I swear, every time Dr. Hedo takes a bite out of an Oreo, it it looks not at all like he's biting it. It looks like he's opening his mouth and closing it, and a piece of the Oreo is disappearing, but he's not biting it. Yeah. It's, it's quite poorly done. And those are like the earliest moments of the animation in this movie, and you're like, oh, God. I, I think be... there was there was also a thing that I had noticed uh, while that whole conversation where they're in the car, it kind of looked like an old like PS2 cutscene from like a video game. Yeah, with like, their they, mo- they had like... some they had some issues with some of their the line work came off looking really, I guess pixelated would be the word for it. Yeah, and there's a lack of expressiveness in their faces. Yeah, that's another big one. It gets then significantly better from there, right? It's just it's it's one of those things. I, I've I've talked about it before, like in in other just random sort of podcasts and situations and things that I've been on. Bad things always look worse when you butt them up closely against good things, yeah. and you start the movie with this really like amazing looking stuff. And then like the next couple of scenes have what are probably some of the worst looking moments of animation in the entire movie. And it's like, Oh God. Ooh. Oh, Oh no. Well, and then it, and then it makes me start to wonder like, cause like you said, I felt the same way as the movie progressed. It got better visually, but then I'm starting to wonder, well, how much of that is that they actually like started working with what they had better or, it was just a lack of butting it up against those flashback scenes that made it look worse. Yeah, maybe. But I do think it looks good in the action sequences. I think it looks 
you know, the, the fight sequences all looked fine. They looked smooth. They were fun. Anytime they did like a big panoramic shot and like showed you like the whole base, uh, the Red Ribbon Army and things like that. Yeah. I thought that all looked really, yeah, those were really, really good. Nice. It had like a crispness to it. I My favorite thing about the movie, and it was something they incorporated a lot early on, was the they really leaned into the subtitle of superhero. They really leaned into having the explosive effects and, and, and visual effects behind people. There's a great joke about that with Piccolo when he's, why can I see, why can I see his, his sound Sound effects? effects. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a a callback to, uh, Toriyama style. Right. He was using those onomatopoeias in English before anybody else really was. Right. So, like, I thought that stuff was was great. I thought the the humor, like, was awesome. And I think one of the things that makes it so great is there's there's a lot of humor in it that is stuff that's, like, low-hanging fruit that I think a lot of young kids or very casual viewers will get a chuckle at or an outright laugh at. And then there's stuff that's that hits me in a more sort of ironic, kind of subversive, uh, kind of so stupid, it has to be a joke, and therefore it is funny kind of humor. What? Subversion in my Toriyama writing? Say it ain't so. (laughs) Like, when Goten and Trunks first show up, because Bulma brings them to the... Because Piccolo's like, go get all the strongest fighters you can, since we can't get Goku and, and, and Vegeta. And she arrives with... With Go Go Ten and Trunks and Android eighteen, and then there's a great joke because she goes, "Oh, and Krillin's also here." <laughs> uh, that that was funny. And then also, Piccolo is like, "Go Ten and Trunks, you guys are huge." And, and Gohan's just like, "You think there's like an obvious like, oh yeah, we trained in the hyperbolic time chamber or, or the room of spirit and time, is that if that's yeah. what you prefer to call it?" But but no, Gohan goes, yeah, us Saiyans, we stay the same size for a long time, and then we just get big. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question, what happened to Vegeta? I was like, that's so stupid, it's amazing. Just like when they're well, it, fighting. It kind when they're of fighting, the lore, really, when you think about it. It does. But it's just, it's so like, it's such like a stupid explanation that I loved it. Just like the other thing that made me laugh that I was the only person in my theater who laughed. Uh, but it was when when Cell Max kind of emerges and they're fighting him and he's giant. And Gohan goes, Piccolo, turn giant like you did in the, uh, the tournament against my dad. And he goes, oh, yeah, I forgot I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love what, like, how they lean into, like, these guys have been around for so long and they've developed so many techniques they actually forget some stuff that they can do. Yeah. I laughed at that. I was like the only person in the theater who laughed. Everyone else was like, oh, that makes sense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, that's so stupid. It's great. My other big negative, if I'm going to throw a, and it might be my only other like big negative. I might have other nitpicks and things is cell max. Uh, in so many ways, really, right? I I don't think of him as much in a in terms of a big bad of a movie, right? Uh, yeah. I feel like Dragon Ball big bads 
for the most part, tend to have some sort of emotional connection to the actual plot. And Cell Max is just a giant, big, nasty monster. And then going along with that is he feels not one whip like Cell in any way. Yeah, outside of outside of what he looks like, he doesn't act like Cell. He doesn't have that same sort of, I guess, ego. And it, well, I mean, because he's mostly just like a, a a mindless monster in this movie. Yeah, and the sto- I get the story reason is he's not finished yet, you know. But I don't know if you're gonna have Cell and Gohan, boy, wouldn't you want to have some actual kind of connectivity there that makes it feel like it matters that it's Cell and Gohan again? Yeah, you would hope. But you know, because when it was that's not what they decided to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> when they brought back Frieza, it felt like it mattered in Resurrection yeah. F. You know, right. like it, it feels like it matters for for Vegeta and Gohan, Goku. Like it, it they, feels like it matters for ev- and Frieza. And it feels like it matters in, for all uh, three Broly, of them. They did the same thing. They connected Broly to Goku and Vegeta through Frieza. Oh, if I can't beat you, I'll just find somebody who can. Right. I just sell Max is like he's just a big nasty monster, and the whole. I'm sorry. This 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 gets into one of those complaints that I, in terms of watching a movie and sitting there enjoying the movie, I really didn't care about this. But in terms of you're gonna call this sell, I don't know how you can be sell and not regenerate yeah i didn't want to say anything about that because it seemed like a pretty major plot hole but then again he's air quotes not finished so maybe he doesn't have his regeneration yet yeah but at the same time if we're making this many excuses for the villain based on he wasn't finished yet, I feel like maybe that probably should have been gone over a few times in the writer's room. Yeah. I don't... It's everything else about... Like, I really liked Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. I thought those were really cool characters. I really liked the, the way they played into the... Both the antagonist and then protagonist sort of roles right yeah you know especially like early on when they're you know fighting piccolo and they're calling him king piccolo and you know they think that they're the good guys uh but they're being antagonists a that's a really fun antagonist type of type of antagonist to have in a movie is one that thinks very much thinks they're the good guys and then B, you get that cool moment where they realize they've been on the wrong side all this time. And now you've got them fighting alongside the heroes and doing heroic things, like getting Thanos snapped. <laughs> yeah, Gamma 2 has an awesome... Is it Gamma 2 or 1? Which one of them has the good self-sacrifice moment? It was... It, 2 sacrifices himself, and then he, like turns into dust and all i could think while i was watching that was ah, they stole that from avengers <laughs> i mean people tend to just dust in dragon ball though when they die in general yeah but it's usually much more violent like in the middle of an energy <laughs> beam or something 
Um, but no, I thought I thought Piccolo's new orange Piccolo form was pretty good. I really uh, like that one. I was not as big of a fan of uh, Gohan's Ultra Dad Instinct. I think it's called Beast Gohan. Okay, I I like mine better. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. just, uh, yeah, power of the power of dad. It worked for me. I liked it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I again, this is coming from somebody who hasn't watched a whole lot of Super, and my knowledge of things like Ultra Instinct and Ultra Ego are are based solely off of just things that I hear secondhand at this point. I mean, I'll say I'm not, I'm not. I, with I, you I get that, that it's like it's supposed to be a callback to to when he goes Super Saiyan two versus the Perfect Cell. But it almost felt a little bit too close to like Super Saiyan three for me. I did like using the special beam cannon. That was a nice touch. Because in reality, we all know the truth that Piccolo is really Gohan's father. When it when the, <laughs> when it really comes down to it, there's some great moments with Piccolo uh, with with Pan. I liked the moment when he's pretending to hurt her. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That was a, that was a cool little moment. Yeah. I, I, I had a really good time with it, and there's there's a lot to really like. Like we said, I think the humor is is very good. I think a lot of the character work is fun. I wouldn't, I would not at all be opposed to seeing Doctor Hedo and the Gammas. Although Gamma Two is dead, but you know, I wouldn't be opposed at all to seeing some of those characters reappear. And Carmine. Gets Carmine, away. I think, gets away. Yes, and I'm or, well, all he's for seeing more Carmine. I'm all right. With oh the yeah, Carmine. I want, I, w- I want a Carmine movie. I, I love that. Like the limo has a special bump out in the hood for his his, <laughs> for uh, his pompadour. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I liked, I liked how he very early he goes into a meeting with Magenta and like gives him a presentation and it's. Uh, Carmine presents is like at the at the heading of his presentation, and then later in the movie he does another one, and it's Carmine presents, and it's like a Carmine presentation directed by Carmine, written by Carmine, produced yeah. by Carmine. <laughs> yeah, like, I just I liked like how he's got like the film executive feel to him almost. It, and you got the you got the joke the first time, like Carmine presents, and then like they did it again. But then the next time they did it, they like they added they more down, things. Yeah. <laughs> they doubled down on it. It was great. I also um, love how how they also acknowledge how ridiculous the car looks with the bump out on it. When Hedo yeah. mentions like there was a limo sitting outside the prison yard with a bump on top of it, that seemed pretty conspicuous to me. <laughs> Oh yeah, Magenta does die. You're right. I just thought of it. He gets he gets stung. I'm I'm sorry. I'm right. <laughs> That's never happened before. He gets stung by that bee. I I I liked the overall tone of this movie. I liked how it was tongue in cheek in a lot of spots. Like you said, the the humor I think was pretty good. Um, I also really enjoyed that this was in in. Dragon Ball terms, this was a lower stakes movie and allowed a lot of the like secondary characters to shine outside of Goku and Vegeta's shadows. Yeah, overall, I just I think this was a lot of fun. I recommend it to folks. 
Uh, particularly if you're a fan of Dragon Ball, just just a good time in general. It, it, it's easy to overlook some of the shortcomings. And then, yes, we we didn't mention the post credit sequence yet. I think we all know we all know how I felt about it. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, I loved it. I love that they uh, they reveal what they reveal, but we don't get to see any of it. And it's just this this major moment, big thing for Vegeta, and we don't we don't get to see it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep, we said spoilers, so yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, I guess, too bad, but yes. In their sparring match, where they're not allowed to transform and not allowed to use Kai key blasts, Vegeta wins. And uh, it's a great moment for him. He collapses in, in joy. I finally beat Kakarot. Um, it's awesome. I loved it. I thought it was great. Well, I thought especially... What it really hammers home is what they've been talk what they talked about right in the very beginning when they showed Goku and Vegeta and Vegeta's just sitting there like meditating and Goku's like you're going to you're going to lose a step and Vegeta's like no think about it power for power Jiren wasn't as strong as us we are stronger than him and yet he could have beaten either one of us in that fight if we hadn't all worked together, da, 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 right? Yeah. And he goes, and it's because he moves differently. He acts differently. We have to train ourselves differently. And then that winds up being ultimately what helps Vegeta beat Goku in their sparring match is Whis even makes a comment at one point. He says something like Vegeta is, you know, his movements are a lot more precise and, something else you know yeah. he is he's fighting differently i think it's... i think even immediately after that discussion between goku and vegeta i think Whis also interjects and is like yeah no he's totally right yes um and i like that i like the the it's not just about power you know it's about skill as well sure right and it, when you think about it that does make sense because i mean think about like i'm thinking about like professional boxing right even the 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 you know, the, the featherweight guys, I wouldn't want to get into a ring with them. And I'm probably <laughs> twice as big as they are um, just because they would absolutely destroy me. They're just immense measure of skill as opposed to any actual like physical difference. Right. Yeah. So I like that. I thought it was funny. I, I thought it was especially funny. You know, here it is. It's this big moment for Vegeta, right? It's this this crowning kind of achievement for him that finally he and Goku got to have a one-on-one bat match that nobody interrupted. Everyone who's wa- everyone who's watching it is bored out of their minds because it's so even for so long. And and the only person, the only other person who's not bored out of his mind is Broly, who is weeping with pride. Yeah, it was I like, great. I, I like how uh, how it's little things like that that help show like how different Saiyans are compared to everyone else in the universe. Oh, going back since we're on since we're on that planet again. Okay, when Beerus sees Chilai and has his little brong. <laughs> and and Weiss makes a comment and he goes 
Oh, I'm surprised nobody ever noticed that Lord Beerus has a type. Okay. Be be wary of how you do this because the internet is a, an awful place. An awful, <laughs> awful place. But if you Google Chile and you Google Bulma and you look at what these two characters look like. They're, they're palette swaps. Is this a subtle nod that Beerus has had a crush on Bulma? I think it might. I mean, that's the way I interpreted it. I don't know if that's correct, but that's the way I took it. That, like, the one of the big reasons he didn't destroy the Earth is because he wouldn't want to destroy Bulma? Yeah. And that also, like, helps explain why he and Whis are so friendly to Bulma. How they're always yeah. asking her to bring him food and stuff. It also, hey, it, you know what else it does? It says he's got a crush on her, but he is too, you know, he respects the sanctity of marriage. That's a nice, that's, that's stand-up god of destruction right there. <laughs> he's like, I'll destroy the world, but, but not matrimony. Exactly. I won't get between go, between Vegeta and Bulma. But if anything ever happens, I, he's going to be first in line. That's probably true. <laughs> so let's let's do what we've done the last few times we've talked. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the last few times. Well, yeah. Let's do let's do our star ratings. Except not star ratings. We'll do our Dragon Ball ratings. Ah, uh, yes, out of seven, <laughs> the superior scale. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll go first. Uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a five out of seven. It's a fun movie. I think if you're already a fan, it's got a bunch of stuff you're gonna love. If you're not a fan, I think it's it's a great one-off. It gives you the background you need, and it's pretty self-contained, and and that's really all you need to enjoy it. I'm right there. I'm at a five out of seven, which I would probably translate to a three and a half out of five. That sounds about right. I'd be on a five scale. I'd be somewhere between a three and a half and a four. I don't think I could quite push it to a four, but on a, on on our seven Dragon Ball scale, uh, I'm at like I don't think you can do halves of Dragon Balls. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, you'll upset the Eternal Dragon. So we can't have so that. so. I think I'd be at about a five with like something like Battle of Gods. I think is my favorite, maybe. So that would probably be a seven, and. Uh, Broly would be a solid six, maybe a seven, because that one's tough. Because I, there was something about the score of that one that just irked me a little bit. Um, whenever it was chanting Vegeta, Vegeta, I was like, oh my god, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm at a five. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's it's pretty well, pretty well self-contained. You know, um, Bikini and I have a have a buddy he, who did not tell us his thoughts ever after watching it but he was watching it and and he said you know like he hasn't watched anything since the end of the Majin Buu stuff and I would have a hard time believing he was in any way shape or form lost all right so to, to recap everything on our day we're gonna have maybe more new anime maybe more new movies so will we see the dragon ball anime return in 2023 will we see further movies in 2024 2026 and beyond find out 
next time <laughs> and help us achieve our final forum. is written and produced by Tom Gwelly. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Gwelly. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share it with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership. 